to continue in our series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for Pastor Stephen as he faithfully uh, preached the word to you as well in my absence. And today we resume our study on who is the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells and fills believers. He's the one who indwells and fills believers. One of these is conditional and the other one is not. So not every believer is going to experience, as they should always, one of them. But all believers experience the other. Maybe you know what that is. The first one is indwelling, and all believers receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through indwelling. But filling speaks of control through submission and obedience. It's a little more conditional. And we're going to look at that today together. Not every believer is always filled or controlled by the Spirit as they should be. And so we'll look at that together today. Ted Engstrom put it this way. He said, to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. Intellect, emotions, will, and body all become available to him for achieving the purposes of God. Theologian Wayne Grudem wrote it this way. Being filled with the Spirit means to be filled with the immediate presence of God to the extent that you are feeling what God feels, desiring what God desires, doing what God wants, speaking by God's power, praying and ministering in God's strength, and knowing with the knowledge that God himself gives. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who truly understands and knows the thoughts of God in real time. And so he is the one in us, he is the one controlling us as we submit, and we truly can operate with that knowledge as a gift. And then John MacArthur, just to focus our hearts and minds again with another quote, obeying the command to be filled with the Spirit does not involve emotional hype or mystical encounters. It comes from reading, meditating on, and submitting to the Word of Christ, allowing the Scriptures to permeate our hearts and minds. Said another way, we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we are filled with the Word, which He inspired and empowers. As we align our thinking with biblical teaching, applying its truth to our daily lives, we come increasingly under the Spirit's control. So we will deal with these in two compartments today, the indwelling and the filling as we teach through. And I want to close today with some practical things that are not found in your notes. You may want to write them down if they're helpful for you today, but just some practical application points on on why it's necessary that we are filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at the indwelling aspect of it, the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. We, We learn this because of of ones like Jesus who spoke of it in John chapter 14. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor or helper or comforter to be with you forever. There's something in our theology about the Holy Spirit that we learn here, not necessarily a part of our study, but but the Holy Spirit is guaranteed. We're never going to lose the Holy Spirit. You can't lose the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament dispensation, you cannot lose the Holy Spirit. Jesus says he is available to us forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you, and here it is, will be in you. So there is early teaching on the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church age. 
okay? That the Holy Spirit of God would be in us as believers and Christ followers. Not yet a reality as Jesus was teaching. This was something new that was coming in this way. The the New Testament contains this new truth about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is telling his followers, this is going to happen. He doesn't tell them to make it happen or to seek after it or to, to ensure that it would happen. He speaks of it as a reality that would happen to them because they were truly followers of Jesus. The Apostle Paul teaches of it as well in Romans 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, we could say if could also be translated since, okay, you probably understand the words there in the Greek, it could be since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So you see the futuristic tone of Jesus' teaching in John 14. This is something that will happen, right? Hasn't happened yet. Now Paul is talking about it as though it is a reality, already happening, already in the believers. The Holy Spirit lives in you, stated as a fact. And then, of course, John speaks about, or Paul again in Galatians 4, we'll look at this before we go to John, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Don't miss that. Unbelievers do not experience the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is a ministry that is exclusive to believers. Why? Well, the verse tells us that. Because you are sons, how do you become a son of God? It's not through natural birth. It's through spiritual rebirth, being born again. That's how you become a part of the family of God. You understand your sin problem, that you can't do anything about it, and you, by grace alone, through faith alone, you put your faith in Christ alone, and he saves you from your sins. You then are a son or daughter, if you will, of God. And it is to those people that this passage of Scripture says to us that God has given the Spirit of his Son, the Holy Spirit, into the hearts of those who are sons crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So this is exclusive to believers. Unbelievers do not receive the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is something that is exclusive to people who are children of God. And then John weighs in in 1 John. He says, the one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit that he has given us. He is in us and we know that he is in us through the spirit. The spirit is the one who is in us, bearing witness that we are truly children of God. It's important to understand that the indwelling is never commanded. You won't ever see that in any of these passages, none of them that we looked at today, and none of them you could ever find in all of Scripture will ever contain a command where a believer is supposed to somehow obtain the indwelling ministry of the Spirit. However, there was a command that was given. You remember coming into the book of Acts, right? They were told to do what? Wait for the Spirit. But they weren't told to get the Spirit, obtain the Spirit, or somehow cause the Spirit to indwell them. It was a work of God whereby believers are passive recipients of this incredible gift, the Holy Spirit of God. It's important because there is a command attached to the filling. And we're we're making a contrast. We're also comparing the two this morning. It's important to keep these things separate in our minds and in our hearts and correct in our theology. 
We also want to point out to you, we will not dive deep on this, but we'll point out to you that it seems to be the, the indwelling ministry of the Spirit seems to be occasional and or temporary in the Old Testament. Why? Well, there are many reasons why, but we'll look at one. Again, we're not diving deep on this. Psalm 51, David is praying after he, of course, had been confronted about his sin with Bathsheba, the sin of adultery, immorality. And he prays to God that the Spirit would not be taken from him. He didn't, want the, him, he didn't want to be banished from the, the presence of God, and he didn't want the Holy Spirit taken from him. What did Jesus say back in his teaching? This is the Holy Spirit, which will what? Forever be with you. There seems to be a difference in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. They are not conflicting they are just two, as we believe in dispensations, God was working in a different way by His Spirit in the Old Testament than He is in the New Testament. So all we're saying today is that there seems to be a difference in this ministry in that in the Old Testament, it was occasional and or temporary and conditional, if you will. The gears are shifted in the New Testament. That conditional aspect of the indwelling ministry of the Spirit goes away. And God chose to minister differently through His Spirit in the New Testament. We'll also see that it's not dependent on obedience. The indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit is not dependent on your obedience. Why do we say that? Well, who was Paul talking to in 1 Corinthians 3? A fairly messed up church, right? Just like us frankly, but we know about the problems that were in the church at Corinth. I mean, they had some serious issues. And what does, what does Paul say to them? Don't you know yourselves that you are God's sanctuary and that the Spirit of God lives in you? All you messed up people, God lives in you through the Holy Spirit. So it can't be conditional, can it? The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit cannot be conditional upon our obedience. It is a gift that we receive. Now, we understand this as we have already studied in our, our series on the Holy Spirit, that we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit through our disobedience. But we're never told that we lose the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit because of our disobedience, because it is not conditional. And Paul making this statement seems to prove that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Don't miss this. It's also a strong testimony to the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit. How can the Holy Spirit indwell all believers everywhere at the same time in this dispensation if he's not omnipresent? It is a powerful testimony to, his, to the aspect that he's co-equal with the Father and that, and that he can be coexistent with the Father as well because he shares those eternal attributes with the Father. It's a strong piece in our theology and our belief system about the Holy Spirit. Now, all of this has what we'll call a fourfold purpose. I want to run through these today and then kind of rest in the, in the uh, filling ministry of the Holy Spirit to conclude our study. But it, there really seems to be a fourfold purpose. When we consider the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, why does God give us the Holy Spirit in this indwelling ministry? Why is He here? Well, I think there are at least four reasons why. Let me give them to you with scriptures this morning. The first one we would say would be counseling or teaching. There's this counseling, teaching, illuminating, guiding ministry of the Holy Spirit that is in us. John 14, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, 
The Holy Spirit, he's the comforter, he's the helper. All three of those terms are synonymous. The Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. This one will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Now, specifically in context, we could make a strong case that the Holy Spirit was being promised to these men who were eventually going to be writers of Scripture, and it was going to be the Holy Spirit and the inspiration process who was going to come alongside of them, as Peter talks about, and bring them along in the process of writing the Scriptures by being their teacher and by reminding them of the things that Jesus said in his earthly life and ministry. Those things could only be remembered in the way that God wanted them remembered with supernatural intervention. And it was the Holy Spirit who was the one that was going to perform that task. How many of you this morning have, though, experienced the Holy Spirit teaching you or reminding you of spiritual truth? Anybody ever have that happen? You're in a conversation with somebody. You're talking to them about spiritual things, and all of a sudden from nowhere, a verse comes to mind. How do you think that happens? It's not us, is it? I mean, some of you have pretty sharp memories, and you can memorize a lot of stuff and remember it, but I'm telling you, there are things, uh, there have been times when I've quoted verses I didn't even realize I had memorized. Evidently I had, or maybe there's something more going on there too, but the Holy Spirit gives us those things. He counsels us, He teaches us, He reminds us of spiritual truth, not so that we can boast in that but so that we can advance gospel and make disciples and encourage others and, and, and even expose error if need be. All of that coming from that wonderful ministry and many more things. As we've already studied together, the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit who resonates inside of us in this way, Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings, and he who searches the hearts, there he is, he's in us, in our heart, knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God the Father searches our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and we pray then through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit praying for us in perfect accord with the will of God as they, they know each other that well, and just a wonderful ministry. That, that, I think, is a part of the indwelling ministry of the Spirit. It seems to function and work through that facet of the Spirit's ministry. The Spirit in us is also a seal of ownership that we belong to God and that nothing can break that seal. 2 Corinthians 1, now it is God who strengthens us with you in Christ and has anointed us he has also sealed us and given us the Spirit as a down payment in our hearts, a down payment of what is to come. It is a guarantee. It is a guarantee that we are going to be with Jesus. It's a guarantee that all of our sin has been paid for, that we have a blessed hope in Jesus, and that all of the promises relative to the future are going to come to pass, just as God said, and he's given us his spirit as a down payment for all those promises relative to the future. And in that, we are completely safe eternally with God. This is why we do not believe that our salvation from sin is conditional. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Who can break God's seal? No one, not even the strongest powers of hell can break the seal of God. And so we rest in that, we rejoice in that, we understand that to be our seal, and we truly are eternally secure. 
It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You can't earn it and you can't send it away. It is yours and it's guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. You see, if you could somehow lose your salvation, what would happen to the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit? Did we not already establish, did we not already establish that the indwelling ministry of the Spirit only belongs to believers? If we could lose our salvation, where is the biblical teaching on that as it relates to the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit? It's completely non-existent. Why? Because you can't lose your salvation. He's also our guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1.22, he's a down payment. He's the guarantee for what is to come. Very closely related to the seal of ownership, but nonetheless a different term and mentioned separately. How about chapter 5 and verse 5? And the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. Then Ephesians 1.14, he is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. All of this tied to the indwelling ministry of the Spirit. Now, there's a wonderful thing that can happen if we will submit and obey and cooperate with this indwelling presence of the Spirit. We have a choice. We don't have a choice as to whether or not we receive the Holy Spirit through indwelling, but we do have a choice whether or not we will cooperate with that presence of the Spirit and be filled or controlled by the Spirit. This is where our cooperation is key. Now, we don't, we don't accomplish either one of these. We don't accomplish the indwelling, and we don't accomplish the filling. But we can hinder the filling and the control of the Spirit in our lives. We can grieve the Spirit. We've already studied that. Or we can submit to the control and live in harmony with the will of the Father. So let's look briefly at this. It means, the filling ministry means to be controlled through yielding or submitting. We are dominated by the Spirit's presence in our life. We are dominated by it. Think of the most important person that you could ever think of in the world entering a room where you stood. And that person comes in and just kind of dominates the space, don't they? They fill the space. And you're dominated by their presence. So we have something far more valuable, something far more important living in us through the Holy Spirit. And we should submit to that and control that, allowing him to dominate us. I want to look at Ephesians 5 as we bring our time to a close and look at some practical things. We find the filling taught in Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. That passage was read for us earlier today, and we just want to go back to it. We want to go back to it quickly and just reread those verses. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. Look carefully then on how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, redeeming the time, one translation says, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled. Here's the imperative statement. Here is the command that you will not find attached to the filling, or the indwelling, rather, of the Spirit, only attached to the filling. He says, 
in, in an imperative way that, that is to be a reality that continues on in your life, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. This is given to us in an imperative command form. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. I think all of these realities that we need to embrace in verses 15 through 21 are spokes on the wheel of the filling ministry or the control of the Holy Spirit. You see, we learn in this passage that to be filled by the Spirit, to be controlled by the Spirit is the only way for us to make the most of our time on this earth, to buy it back, to redeem it. It's the only way that we're even going to know how to do that. It's the only way that we'll be able to set the right priorities to accomplish this teaching, to make the most of our time, and to buy it back for the sake of the kingdom, the advancement of the gospel, and the making of disciples. How many of us fought with priorities this last week? Anybody fight with priorities? You had a lot of good things that you could do, but you had to choose from out of the good things what you would do so that you would make the most of your time. How do you make those discerning decisions? You can't do it without the presence of the Holy Spirit, or you can't do it well. So his indwelling helps us. As we submit to it, it helps us to set those priorities, to redeem the time, to make the most of the time, and be wise as a result. Submitting to the Holy Spirit in this way is the only way that we can know and do God's will. We, we make the most of the time because the days are evil, and we're going to be able, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We embrace the will of the Lord, and we know what it is because we're submitting to the Holy Spirit. How is that connected to the will of God? Well, because the Holy Spirit is never going to lead you contrary to the Word of God. That's how it's connected. As I submit to the Spirit, I know the will of the Father, which is in complete agreement with His Word to us, His self-revelation, and that's where I find His will. It's the only way to know it. It's commanded in this passage in contrast to being drunk, as we find in verse 18. But there's also a comparison here too, isn't there? Don't get drunk with wine, okay? We know that's sinful. We're, we're not to be intoxicated. We're not to be controlled by, by any substance like that in an addictive way or, or being drunk with, with strong alcoholic beverage that's forbidden for believers. Instead of that though, that leads to recklessness, we're to be filled by the Spirit. We're to, be, we're to be addicted, if you will, to the Spirit, intoxicated with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. As the drunk is controlled by alcohol, right, not for ungodliness but for righteousness, we should be controlled by the Spirit. As that individual is under the control of a substance which is sinful, we should be under control of the Spirit which leads to holiness. It's commanded in this way. Be under the influence of the Spirit at all times. Allow Him to dominate and control. We find in the passage that being filled is evidenced in just a wonderful way, a way in which we were able to participate today, and I love that about our gatherings. 
It's evidence through biblical, godly, and testimonial expressions of worship that are meant for the good of believers and the glory of our great God. That's what verse 19 tells us about the filling. It's evidence in this way. It's, it's evidence through biblical. That's the word psalm, the very words of Scripture. It's evidence through godly expressions, the word hymn there, speaking of something that we sing to and about God. And then testimonial expressions, what it has meant to us in a deep, profound, biblical, and spiritual way. Those spiritual songs are testimonial expressions. Some people think that they could have been rather impromptu as well, where people would sing about their own, uh, maybe even sing an original song about their own relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Who knows? But that's what many people think, these spiritual songs. Where does this come from? This comes from yielding to the Spirit. This is a manifestation that you are submitting to and under the control of the Holy Spirit. This kind of humble, selfless, God-centered worship does not happen if God's people are not controlled by the Spirit. The exact opposite of this is what happens in churches when people are not filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Next of all, filling control by the Spirit cultivates a consistently thankful heart. If you're not thankful, you're not dominated by the Spirit. Look at verse, the next verse, giving thanks always, verse 20, and for everything to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for everything. Can we do that on our own? Was there anything this last week that made you unthankful? Oh, yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs> right? How do we get over that in gratitude? How do we get over allowing the circumstances of our life to dictate whether or not we're going to be full of gratitude and thankfulness? Can we do that? Or do we possess the ability to consistently do that? No, we prove that to ourselves over and over. How do we get it done? It's only through the control of the Spirit. It's a manifestation that I have submitted to the Spirit. If I'm unthankful, if I'm critical, if I murmur, if I complain or show any other thing that evidences ingratitude, then I know I'm not under the Spirit's control. Finally, it's manifested through humility. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of of Christ, the ultimate in deference. People who insist on getting their own way, especially in matters that don't matter, are not controlled by the Spirit. They're not filled by the Spirit. They're asserting themselves in an ungodly, unbiblical, unchrist-like way. And then you have pride, but not humility. So here is a snapshot of being filled with the Spirit and what it looks like. In closing, for just the next couple of minutes, just bear with me, I want to give you this list, and what I will do with this list is I will send it out to you as a part of an email communication this week. Look for it in, in one of your emails this week, but we'll get this list out to you because I want you to allow it to permeate your heart and mind. You write down now what's meaningful. Why should we be filled with the Spirit? 
Well, first of all, because we need his help, right? I think we can all admit that today. We need his help. In fact, in John 14, that word comforter for the Holy Spirit is indeed the word for helper as well, the one who comes alongside of us and helps us. We desperately need his help. We need his revelation because apart from God's spirit, we cannot know spiritual things. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 11. So we need that. We also need his wisdom, don't we? We need God's spirit to give us wisdom for the moment. How many of us have been in a situation of life where we've prayed and asked for guidance and God gave it to us? How did we get that? It had to have been the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us, communicating to us according to the will of the Father. We also need the fruit of the Spirit. We're getting ready to head into a, a, a section on this, in this series on the manifestations that those who are under the control of the Spirit will manifest what? The fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to spend the weeks to go through the fruit of the Spirit. But we need the fruit of the Spirit. I like what one one person said. Listen to this carefully and quickly. My hard work and self-discipline will not ultimately produce the love I need and the joy I desire. God must do that. My efforts position me to receive His Spirit, but ultimately it is His Spirit that does it. This means that while sometimes my hard work will see His Spirit work in me progressively, there are times when God's Spirit will work instantaneously in me to produce new character and fruit that all my hard work could never accomplish. And then we are reminded that it's not about us. Number five, we need His purity. The Holy Spirit is called what? He's the Holy Spirit. He is moving and pressing and leading us toward the holiness of God. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Being transformed into the same image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. For this comes, this, this progressive sanctification, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit generates that growth. And finally, we need his power, don't we? Galatians 3, Paul talks about it this way. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? <laughs> no. You see, there is still more for the Spirit, that for the Spirit desires even to work miraculous things among us, not by our works of the law, but by hearing with faith. One writer put it this way, the power of the Spirit which saves us is to continue throughout the Christian life, even to the extent that He does miraculous things in and through us. So we truly need his power. That's why we need to submit to the Spirit, be controlled, be dominated by him. I hope that our time together this morning has helped us to understand the indwelling and the filling ministries of the Holy Spirit more completely. But more than that, more than just the intellectual aspect of this today and our knowledge base growing or maybe being reminded of things that we haven't thought of in a while, I hope that we'll all truly understand that this is how God wants us to live, submitted to, obedient to, and dominated by the Holy Spirit. Maybe there are areas that we know already as we've observed the table, as we've asked God to search our hearts, as we've been reminded of this truth and this message that God has identified for us that we need to do business with him about. I hope that we'll do that today and take growth steps 
for his glory. Maybe you've attended today or you're listening or watching today and you have questions about how this can even get started in your life. Because remember, it's exclusive. Only believers experience these ministries from the Holy Spirit. And maybe you would like to know more about that, how you can know Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We hope that you'll seek us out. I'll be available over in our welcome area to your right. Stop by, have a conversation. We would love to have that dialogue with you about Jesus today. Let's pause in prayer, and then we're going to have a time of reflective worship together. Father, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for the opportunity that we had today to take of the bread and the juice that reminded us of the depth of the love of Jesus for us. Help us now as we have been instructed about this gift that Jesus said would be given in the Holy Spirit. May we relate to him and his word properly and well for your glory. And may his presence in our life not just be a reality that we read about in Scripture, but something that we appreciate and value and obey and submit to for your glory and for our growth. We ask for these things to be accomplished for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.